Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Pagans Tonight Radio. The voice of the pagan world. Featuring the man with all the questions that some don't want you to hear. Called the most dangerous person you will ever listen to, the ever-curious digital pioneer, Ed the Pagan. Good evening, everybody. We are on the verge of the eighth parliament of the world's religions, an organization and a life work for me to explore and to examine. My name is Ed Hubbard, also known as Reverend Ed Hubbard of the Corellian tradition. Tonight, I'm going to discuss why we're facing a digital disruption of the world's religions, why we're going to see a change in the way that we work within these worlds. And it is very simply the Internet is bringing us together in a major way. And one of the strongest things I, I have seen through the years is the constant growth of the Internet and our activities thereof. Huh. And, and in that process, we've seen the Internet take on. And it has been difficult through these, these last few years to, to go from the transition of a mostly analog world into a higher level of digital integration in our society. And the Parliament of World's Religions' eighth time of convening, seven times in the modern era from 1993 to the present and once in 1893, to um, allow it to... Uh, be casted out there. And so now I'm going to go ahead and, and explain what we're looking at. We're looking at a chance of where these ideas of how the world is becoming a digital metaverse, we're seeing Web 3.0 become into existence. And that is going to change the way we look. Previous to this, the Parliament of World Religions, the first time around, did not even have, in 1993, a website because websites were not a thing yet. In fact, it was the year of the first modern parliament of world religions where i was working as a stage manager had worked two years previous as a volunteer to the main offices that we saw it and that was the year that we would see the https protocols or what we call the World Wide web come into being and we did have internet there being presented called uh earthlink earthlink was a uh, was present at that time so the way that you registered, the way that you knew about this was that you registered and they did it through mailing campaigns and through a whole normal sort of these print systems. And people found it a little bit through forums, a little bit through AOL chat, but primarily it was through mail. And so people mailed in their, their applications, they came and registered, and we met at the Palmer House, 6,000 people. It represented one human being at present at the parliament for every million people out there, as laid out 
by uh, Barbara Mark Barbara Max Hubbard. Uh, she was one who pointed it out that this was a seed of a greater thing, and it became true. Then it came into 1999, the third Parliament of Religion in Cape Town, South Africa. And there you saw the beginning of real, some of the filming there, some of the aspects of it. And you saw there that they had set up an internet lounge where people could communicate with the outside world. 2004, you saw that. 2009, you saw really the big expansion. Facebook had not become a thing yet, not really. And so you saw people utilizing mainstream media, and it was the first time that new media was really represented. And I myself was one of the very first reporters of new media, as well as being a pagan reporter. And that, that the Internet at that time, through Newswire Collective um, and various other ways of blogs, as well as the mainstream media, were able to communicate. 2015, we saw the Internet, the beginnings of really strong Facebook, social media bringing in and was able to do so. In 2018, we saw live prog uh, progressions. Now, in 2009, I was able to present, and I presented about online schools. And as people know, I had already started an online school, which is now a full-fledged seminary, that helps people find their path within the pagan world, uh, particularly Wicca, to become clergy. And it, is, it affected a lot of things. But back in 2009, it was a highly resisted idea and more than half the people in the room thought it was a terrible way to, to represent religions. And today, nearly all religions have an online school. We do know for a fact that it is very difficult for very large structures to change the way they act. Now we come to 2018, where we had the citizens were able to do large-scale casting. They were able to do live broadcasting. We were able to bring in more of the world as well as everything was kind of streaming out. They, they actually filmed from the parliament to the streaming world. I do not know if it will take, that will take place here. That, but what has happened now due to the worldwide COVID epidemic is that we've now seen a very fast move into what is called Web 3.0. And this is the idea that the web, whatever it grabs, takes over and then changes it. And one of the things that, uh, that, uh, one of the big technologists and, and speakers, Gary Vaynerchuk, speaks about it. It sucks out the middleman. We're seeing bigger organizations, stronger organizations. Every church now kind of may have a website. And we just see that this is a very important thing. Most churches have been moving as local and linear. And what I mean by that, they work in their local areas and they are very linear, meaning that they grow by one person, two person, by personal invitations. Ministries work in local areas to provide services. And we have seen some of the emergence of very large churches, even what we call mega churches, mosques, uh, chapels, temples, synagogues have all grown in this period of time. While very small ones, very localized ones have fallen to the wayside um, because they've not been able to maintain their local presence. Now we're going to move into, so Peter Diamandis gave me this framework a long time ago to begin dealing with the idea of how exponential organization is, because the world today isn't just local and linear anymore. And it is one of the biggest changes in the world today is that we're not local and linear in how we serve people, but we can feel that way in how we act. And it's very hard 
for the individual human beings and the individual groups to act beyond the tribe that we exist in. We exist in this idea of smaller, more concrete groups where we can identify the leadership, we can identify the workers, we can identify the warriors, we can identify the artists, we can identify ourselves and feel comfortable with each other. But what we see now is that the idea of global and exponential has come in, where once we took one step, became two steps, became three steps, and we grew that way. We're now saying we go to one step. First, we started zero. Just we, we have an idea, and we turn it to one. And then when it becomes one, we're able to turn it two, but then two becomes four, four becomes 16, 16 becomes 32. And pretty soon you have a very large area to work in. And the idea that, you know, today, is, and it is exacted, technology has created abundance where there was scarcity. What does this have to do with the world's religions? What is about to happen? Our first item of action is that it is being digitized. Now, we've had books that have been digitized. We have been creating more and more materials online. Online schools have been created. Books are both being created online to be read. They're being online to sold. Services have moved on. People, what was once very expensive has now become digitized. And so we see people and small churches doing what only big churches could do and rarity. Radio and television only allowed a certain amount of churches, a certain amount of faith. It was expensive, had to be maintained through very expensive ministries, and that it was scarce. Only a few churches, only a few synagogues, only a few um, cathedrals and, and mosques could actually afford to broadcast their services that they chose to. And, they, and those groups grew larger for it. Today, that is no longer a resistance. We can digitize even the smallest churches. We can have web services. We can have Facebook Live. We have so many more services to act as a social broadcaster. And that is what we're becoming in this. Uh, I love the idea of social broadcasting. This is what we're doing tonight. This very piece is a social broadcast being brought to you across multiple challenge, challenges. Um, challenge, challenges. It has been challenges. I want to say that, but challenge, channels. And in this process, we're able to bring you more information. So the parliament has now fully digitized itself. It is completely in the space of cyberspace. It is, has all of the features of a main organization, but now it is existing solely through a login on your computer to be there. And if everything about it can be recorded. For the first time, every session, every class will be recorded barring glitches and other sort of things, every single class, all 556 sessions I believe is occurring, will be created into recordings. And in those recordings will be available after the event as well to the members. So whereas in the, all of the other previous parliaments, most likely you had to go to the class in physicality, in real time, or you were going to miss it and you would not get that information. Now people will have a chance to examine all the class for a period, right now they're saying 30 years, I think, uh, 30 days, I think that the material will be here because it can be 30 years from now. But that's a personal choice of the uh, trustees of the Parliament of the World Religions about how available after this event they will make this information available. But during it, this is all going to be recorded. 
The second thing in, the digi- in this sort of exponential organization is deceptive at first. It doesn't seem like very much. Most people are right now not feeling very comfortable with it. They're saying, Zoom, burnout, I don't want to do this, and then everything else. But the value of it is going to be deceptive. It's, this is a growing aspect. We're not going to be able to pull back from this. The ninth parliament of the world's religion, at best, will be a hybrid event. It might be virtual again, but it might be a hybrid event. We'll never completely withdraw. Now that it has entered the metaverse, this new reality that we're creating, it will never pull back. And it's deceptive in the sense of it doesn't seem like very much. It seems for some people that it has been said that this is a patchwork thing. This is something to hold it. But for me, it is a moment where we are now seeing something truly changing. It is disruptive. It is for the first time, it is disrupting the way we think about how we meet, how we gather, how events exist, how about they exist in real time. Over this weekend, we're going to see a real-time meeting of thousands and thousands of religious leaders and religious people who want to make a change in the world, who follow the global ethic, who have wanted to discuss various things. Um, I've seen so many people in my own community, they're going to be presenting so many wonderful things. And that is going to, it's going to change the way it looks at because it is not going to require the same commitment to be there that it has in the past. It is not going to be so isolating. And because of that, we see the, the fourth trait of it. When you have those three things happening and you begin it, and it begins slowly, people are going to go, this is not going to be very much. This is you know, just like every other conference. The Parliament of the World's Religions has never been like every other conference. It has large goals, massive transformative purposes, and it has this idea of what we do and we commit to life for. We will hear from Jane Goodall. We'll probably hear from the Dalai Lama. We'll hear from hundreds of individual and collective leadership, and at the same time, we'll have the chance to meet with them. There's a way to connect with them. There's going to be lounges. There can be all sorts of different ways to connect and to meet with people. It is going to be demonetized. We've now seen the parliament, and this is the biggest disruption that we're going to see first. It has been demonetized. The, the admission cost has been less. If you want to get in now, it's $90 versus several hundred dollars when it's met with live. The resources necessary to carry this out are less. And so we're now seeing that principle of demonetization. Second thing, it has taken out airfare. It has taken out hotel rooms. It has taken out all of the costs to attend the parliament. We're seeing this as the demonetization. And keeping that data past the parliament is going to be misculine. It can be saved and preserved for a very long time for a very low amount of money. Uh, it's almost near zero. And this is the ability to be coming to it is near zero friction. What do we mean by near zero friction? It is a term to say the time of the event to the time it is recorded to the time that it is available in tape goes from being once upon a time, it would take weeks to develop all that months and hundreds and thousands and even millions of dollars to to record every event, to record every action, to record everything. And now it is almost automatical. It is this idea that it's just, you, you start it, it records, it saves, and then you can make it available within a single 
technological action. So we see the demonetization of it. The fifth element of digital organizations that go exponential, right, is that this idea of that we don't, it, that it becomes, you lose the physicality. We have seen this with our cell phones. We used to carry cameras. For the biggest part, cameras are now on our phones. We now act, our phones can act as a television station. Isn't that amazing? We can broadcast out of there. We see the idea of calculators or, you know, we don't carry calculators around. We see, we don't have a GPS on our, our, our cars anymore. So all of this is being dematerialized. We're seeing all of this being replaced, these physical objects being replaced by software and a multi-purpose technology, multi-purpose devices. Once the multi-purpose devices are, are utilized, we see the dematerialization. In this case, what, is, what was dematerialized? Well, the buildings that we were hosting it in, the, micro, the multiple microphones, the chairs, the, the rooms, the amount of food that we needed, the hotels, all of this is now, poof, gone. It is now all conducted from a cyberspace location. So not only have we seen the parliament now demonetize this action, it has now dematerialized the majority of this action. And the sixth piece of this is called democratization. And this is a big essential thing. Prior to this, every other parliament attended had a factor of where it would only allow so many people could possibly attend. It wasn't even the physicality, because I think they would have expanded as much as their physicality would have allowed. It was the cost of the airfare, gone. It was the cost of the admission, oftentimes, you know, not, not expensive. The problem has always been a very reasonably priced event. But now it is even cheaper. There is no passports. There are no visas. There is nothing to prevent every citizen on the planet that has an internet connection to buy a ticket. It is now open to all citizens, all faith leaders, no regardless of their economic and social means. You do not have to be in the same space. You can be in your home. We've dematerialized it so that we're in our homes. And now, because of it, we're able to have more people. And I know for a fact there are many people who are attending the parliament for the first time. In fact, I am going to bet that the majority of people who will attend this event over the weekend will be attending it for the first time because we have now democratized this. We are now seeing that people can go to this event very simply. What does this mean for world churches? This is the model that it's going to take in. For the average local church, which is local and linear, it needs to go, and when it digitizes, it means that it will be able to put its services and other materials into the internet. And if they need to help people, they will be able to contact them through ministers will not just have Sunday morning preaches and have just house visits. He can visit houses now through the internet if he chooses to. And it takes local churches into a world where they're no longer just local, but they can serve families that have been traditional. When they move away, they can still keep in contact. It is a powerful tool for them when they digitize to continue their ministries. It is for mosques and temples and synagogues, and especially 
the circles that I practice in, we have been utilizing these methodologies to expand so that we can do our services, our rituals, and our communications without necessarily being physically there. And we've seen this process head out into the world because of what has happened over the last couple of years. For the local circle, the local synagogue, it, it is deceptive. It means, and what I mean by that, it doesn't seem like it's that important. It's like, oh, it's just the internet, but it can change the way the church operates. It can change the way the synagogue operates, how, how our individual leaders have more capability through their systems, through email, through software, through their list, that they can now know more and be able to serve in greater depth through these digitized tools. And it's disruptive. People don't have to physically go into these churches anymore to be a part of a temple, to be part of a circle, to be part of a synagogue, to be part of a mosque. They can observe it at a distance through cameras, through eyes, through other methods. They can communicate and they can type inside of this system. One of the most disruptive things that is in the favor of the churches, instead of passing around the plate with a PayPal, a Square, we, you know, we pay dozens of systems, Stripe. You can set up a monthly, weekly, daily, if you not wanted to, but monthly subscription. Yeah, subscription services to allow that type to finance these churches that are now going to be much more digitized. What does it mean for demonetization. It means that the ability to perform services for people and to keep that data of the church together will come down in price. It'll be cheaper to do that so that more of the income, more of the tithing, the more of the offerings given can be then used to help people. And it would be more efficient and it will be more strengthened because you can become more predictable. It just will not you will allow not only just the goodwill of the people, but allow the goodwill of the people to allow the pastor, the minister, the priestess to know somewhat the income coming in so they can manage their church. They will not be as, as caught into the vagaries of it. So not only do we have to see that demonetization of the costs, we see that we see the increasing of the ability to guarantee that sort of income if there is a love and a grace and a generosity of our people. And we are generous people. Human beings are good, and they are generous whenever they can. This will help a lot of it. Now, we talked about demonetization. But now we talk about dematerialization. It will then allow us not to have churches. The physical buildings will become less distinct and important as part of the meeting center. And this is probably the most difficult aspect because we, as we meet more and more online, we can conduct more business. The buildings that we'll, we'll meet in, the physicalities, will have to be much more unitarian and unitarian and will have to have more value created from itself in order to maintain. It will be not enough to meet one day a week or two days a week and maintain these large complexes. And it will then give also an advantage to storefront churches. It will give an advantage to very small churches to be able to be larger. And very large churches will have to find better uses, 
better ways to utilize their space, you know, weddings and more of the services that we can use and use it in a way that the community can best use it. It will no longer be these icon classic centers that we just go in one or two days a week or just a couple of times a year. It will not, if that continues and if they cannot afford that, they're no longer a threat, threatened with just dematerialization or disappearance. They can move their, a lot of their services online. And when they have that, they will be able to improve their finances. Democratization, and this is probably the single most difficult thing for churches to understand. There's a lot of technologies coming out that will make it easier to democratize your church. And they call, you know, such as um, blockchain, there's decentralized organizations, a way that we control our organizations. We can have everything from simply allowing board members and, and people to move Sunday mornings, you know, and, and just sort of the coffee clashes, we'll be able to meet with people, we'll be able to know more about people and things like that. But it will also allow anybody who wants to start a church to do so, just like it was, it's been, you can start a business for, you know, from $500,000 or $100,000 or whatever it costs you to start a business to several hundreds of dollars to several thousands of dollars. And in fact, you can start a ministry for absolutely free. Gmail stack and other services can allow you to begin this process of making real change globally for nothing on the current internet. And so we have that. And all of this will work together to create a world where we are going to see more intimate and more controlled systems. And we'll see abundance from it. Now we might see things in the future, you hear blockchain, well, blockchain has a lot of features, and one of the biggest ones is creating organizations where every member of the church gets a vote, and the machine, the computer, the, the blockchain can then record the votes, and, and they will always be safe. Individual faiths can now create cyber coins to help them utilize them in different ways to have internal sharing of resources, a way to have a, a sort of way of communicating. We could see the Vatican coin, or we can see the Corellian coin, or we can see the coin for, say, First Baptist Church. I use them because they, that's a very common name, but they could have a coin where they can use that to trade for goodwill, for services amongst themselves that is outside the governmental and systems of controlling income. It will allow for a way to expand goodwill, good nature. There, that is just one way. There's dozens of these these technologies that will come in and change it. And you hear it, VR, AR, XR. And all of these will bring us ways to bring us closer together and finding ways to do so. And the primary function of all this, the, the, one of the challenges of it all is that every book, every information, we are coming into an age where knowledge is going to be overwhelming and it is the questions we ask. And it's very important that we as clergy, as we as these, these spiritual leaders, understand to teach people the questions that they teach them the questions, teach them how to ask the questions, how to build their lives. And we will no longer have control of all knowledge, even within our own faith. Every book, every version of your book, every aspect of, of the, the materials that you have, very little of it, if any, will remain private. And if it does may remain private, it will be then analog and it will be limited to a few people, whereas the churches that create documents 
that that's go all over the world through PDFs, through tablets, through other methods, will have a strong way of communicating with all of it. And the children of tomorrow will not just be exposed to the local and linear religions, but they will be also exposed to the global and exponential ones, which is represented directly by the actions of the parliament is going to make this weekend is going to make those religions, those faiths that are global and exponential, more capable of expanding it. So the last concept, and this is outside of the framework that I mentioned earlier, the six Ds, and this one is Chardin's, uh, Pierre de Chardin's ideas of divinization or the divine coming into the world. As we progress further, we see that wherever these actions take place, we see an increase. We go from scarce resources to more abundant resources. We see less knowledge become more knowledge. People become better educated. The ability to gain an education, to gain knowledge, to gain resources from around the world. There are stories of where rural farmers get a cell phone and they're now able to trade in the, in the world markets and get a better price for their goods. We see the idea of people build, able to download things. Been, there's a young man who's built windmills and pumps out of local materials. We're seeing an increase in the newest sphere of the world of knowledge. We're able to learn more at a cheaper price. Education is no longer just the universities of the world. It is no longer just in the hands of that, but it is now in the hands of all of us as we create the servers and the communication tools that will continue the process of it. And in that process of divinization, which means bringing the divine into the world, which is an extremely important concept to my tradition, is that we want to bring spirit into the world, not the world into the spirit, but the spirit into the world so that we are more gracious, we are more giving, we are more loving, we're more energetic in the world, and that we're able to do more things. It allow us to do so. It will allow us to bring that in and we can act in a better way. By these connections between human beings and these abilities to communicate, these abilities to have meetings between different groups, how the interface world is going to work after this will be directly related to how this parliament comes out. We will see the ability of these communications, these now dem democratized, dematerialized aspects of it will mean that I will be able to communicate with other members of faiths all over the world. And if I see a problem in part of the world, I may be able to reach out in a much better way, not just through phone calls, not just through mail, but maybe just as fast as picking up my cell phone, saying hi, clicking on a text, clicking on a messenger service, clicking on an aspect, and I will then be in direct contact. Just as I'm going to be able to do that right now inside the website, that the parliament has created that we can make this contact where we take out everything between me and the person I'm trying to communicate with and that we can communicate with each other and create solutions that can then be worked upon, duplicated, and finally brought to, to everything. And the last most powerful thing of the organization, when we find things that are working, be it we need to help fund a well in, in, in a country or we want to send people out there to visit, you know, because there's still a love of physicality. This is not the end of physicality. In fact, this is an enhancement. The idea of a missionary going into an area to try to do good 
or setting up a, a temple or a church or a faith uh, space and then going home, leaving it to more local priests, will no longer have to not be in connection or be in slow connection. They can be as quick and as fast as a Zoom meeting. That is going to change how we will communicate. So now we're seeing all of this. So it may not seem like very much. It seems like a three-day festival online. Oh, my gosh, this is another one, right, to one that will be actually impactful and will have a great deal of meaning. And so I hope that you have enjoyed this ideology. This is what I believe is going to occur. I think that over the next 96 hours, it's going to be a fantastic event. Um, this has not been endorsed by the Parliament of World Religion. I'm doing this on my own through a system called social broadcasting. If you want to know more, Edward Hubbard will be on the, the Parliament all weekend. I'm, this is what I'm planning to do. Or you can just contact me through any number of methods. Um, and I enjoyed ha- speaking about this. If you have any questions, I feel so great. So I will leave you with this one last thought. The world is more abundant than we know. The world loves deeper than we ever mentioned. We care more and with about each other than we're allowed to speak of. And that only thing that holds us back into this world is the, our ability to communicate. And today, the face of the world are going to see the ability to communicate at an unprecedented and highly scalable way that will allow not just a few thousand people to be impacted, but literally billions of people to be interacted with. The results of this parliament will be felt felt by billions of people in the days to come. Blessings. Have a great parliament. If you're not attending parliament, enjoy your weekend. Do something incredible. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.